Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. Here at Grace Point Church, we believe in meeting people where they are and leading them to where God wants them to be. Join us now as we listen to this week's message. My mother is a good, God-fearing woman. Brought me to church every week, taught me about Jesus. And when I was young... My mother also taught me how to play blackjack. (laughs) She made sure that I knew how to play. She had rules. Because if you want to win at blackjack, you have to know what the rules are. So never split tens. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you are like, huh? I don't get it. But some of you know what I mean, right? You never split tens, never take the insurance. And one of the things that she always would tell me over and over again is she would say, never bet with nervous money. And what she meant by that is, is that you shouldn't make bets. When you're making bets, you shouldn't make bets with money that you are afraid to lose. And that's why she could enjoy uh, playing was because she knew exactly how much she was willing to lose that, that day. And that was all. Once it was done, she didn't head to the ATM machine. She was just done. That's it. Because one of the things that happens when you bet with nervous money one of the things that happens when you start to worry that your losses are starting to pile up, that you're getting farther and farther behind, is that you start to think that you can make it back with one big hand. You think that you can bring the score back to even with one home run. You start to tell yourself that if you could just make that one big score, that you could be back to where you started before everything started to get bad. Or... Or, or that you could start and, and really, really be successful. And in life, like in blackjack, the only way to really be successful is to just play it smart, one hand at a time. And if you do the right thing and make the right decisions over and over again, you have the greatest odds of coming out ahead when it's done. So we've been looking at, and in this series that we've called You in Five Years, we've been looking at, our, at, at something that goes beyond what normally we do at the beginning of the year. Right? At the beginning of the year, what we normally do is we, we try to figure out what is going to be our New Year's resolution. What can I do for this year? And so in our series, what we said is, let's ask ourselves a different question. And not, what can it look like for me a year from now, but who could I be in five years? What decisions and plans and and strategies could I put into place now that will affect me not one year out, but but five years out? And so we started this series with this um, sentence. And what we said was that the ways you let in become the ways that you are set in. And all that means is, is that we all have our ways. We have the ways that we make decisions, the, the things that we decide that we're going to do or we're going to go, the invitations that we accept, the job offers that we take. Those are our ways. And those little decisions eventually become who we are. The ways that we let in become the ways that we're set in. And then we continued that last week. And what we saw last week was that change doesn't happen in a day But change happens daily. In other words, we can't think that we can make it all happen in one day, but we can't omit any days. It has to happen every day if we're really going to have change that's going to last, that's going to be around for a while. 
And so today what I want to do is I want to kind of use something that, that happened to a group of people. And in Scripture, it tells us about these people and what God said to them that I think we could apply to this whole idea of looking at our lives five years out. And for some of you who have grown up in church, if you grew up reading the Bible, if you grew, grew up going to uh, Sunday school or Sabbath school, then one of the things that you might have remembered is they told the story of the Israelites who were in Egypt. In fact, if you never, ever went to church, if you never read the Bible, you may have seen all of the cartoons. Every Easter, uh, Charlton Heston comes out and you see the Ten Commandments, one of my favorite movies of all time. And it tells the story of the Israelites. The Israelites were all of the children of Israel. And Israel was a guy. They didn't just call them the children of Israel for nothing. There was a guy named Israel, and these are his children, his descendants. And the the children of Israel were in Egypt, and they were there for 400 years. And and they started out as a family living there. They ended up becoming an entire race of slaves. And Scripture tells us how God delivered them out of that. He did some miraculous things with some guy named Moses, Charlton Heston. (laughs) Miraculous things. Got them out of Egypt. And they got out. And they went through the Red Sea. Right? If you've ever gone to Universal Studios, remember where the tram goes in and the waters part? Right? That That was based on something that actually happened. It wasn't just a ride. And so the children of Israel, they go through the Red Sea. And they get out past the Egyptians, away from them. And they're out in the wilderness. And they're there for 40 years. On a trip that should have taken them a couple of weeks, they were there for 40 years. And for those of you who are Christians, I I want you to get this because this is an incredible metaphor. And if you're here listening to us, if you're watching us online and you're not a Christian, listen, I'm not talking to you right now, but you can listen in because some of us here, we need to hear this. Some of us who are Christians are like those people who are Israelites. God saved you one day. He even baptized you, right? Going through the water. But at the end of it, you never got to the place where God wanted you to go. You're still just kind of wandering around. Not where God wants you to be. Not where you're supposed to be. Let's not let that happen to us. See, sometimes I think that um, if, you, if you're a Christian, especially if you haven't been a Christian for very long, a lot of times we become Christians, uh, we look at it like earthquake insurance. Like, I'm going to live my life and everything's fine, but... At the very end, when all of the the bad stuff happens, I want to know that I'm there. We look at it as, I'm going to be a Christian because I don't want to go to hell. Apparently, there's a place. You don't want to go there. And if that's us, then we are missing out. Because listen, that's just the beginning of the story. That's not the end. That's not where we're supposed to be. And if we satisfy ourselves with being there then we miss out on the best part of God's story that he's written for you and he's written for me. But listen, it's, it's not easy to be where God wants us to be. It's not easy for us to make those decisions and take those steps to go where God wants us to go because you know what? It's easier for us to be lazy. It's easier for us 
to look around and just say, I don't want to do anything. In fact, it's easy for us to want everything, but do nothing. And we start to feel this sense of entitlement. Like, why do I have to do anything? I deserve this. It's so much easier to do that. You know why? It's easy because there are fights that you have to fight in order to get to where God wants you to go. Listen to what I'm saying. If there are no fights in your life right now, if everything is smooth and easy and everything is fine and you're just real happy, you might not be going to the place where God wants you to be. Because to get to where the God wants you to go, to get to what Scripture often refers to as, and you may have heard this before, as, as the promised land, in order to get there, there's people you have to fight along the way. That's what the Israelites had to do. They, they faced a fight. They were having to go through to get from where they were to the land that God had promised them. And to get there, there was a bunch of people that they had to fight. In fact, Scripture calls them nations that were strong and mighty. That's, that's how they, they're described. Strong and mighty. And, and the Israelites were barely a nation. They were just a whole big group of people. And all of those people that they had to fight to get to where God wanted them to go, they were stronger and they were mightier. But the only way to get there was through them. And maybe that's why they were in the wilderness for so long. Because they were unwilling to take those steps forward to move to where God wants them to be. So this is an account of this, and this is this part that we're going to look at today, this part in Scripture, and it's, for those of you that want to follow along, we're going to be in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 7. Uh, you start at the front, and then just go forward a few pages, and you'll find Deuteronomy. It's the one that you can't spell, all right? So go to chapter 7, and if you don't have your Bibles, you don't want to look up it on your phones, we're going to put the text up on the, on the screen so that you can follow along. But this is God talking to the Israelites, He's telling them, listen, we're getting ready to go. They're getting ready to march forward, right? But God says to them this. God says, are you thinking, and this is God saying to them, are you thinking this? How can we ever conquer these nations that are so much more powerful than we are? See, God is asking them, is that, is that what's on your mind? How are we going to do this? How are we going to be able to get from here to there when there's so many obstacles in our way? Right? How am I going to be able to get that degree? I have a full-time job. How am I ever going to lose 50 pounds? I love pizza. Right? There's always an obstacle in our way. And, and here God is saying, is this what you're asking yourselves? How can we ever conquer these nations that are so much more powerful than we are? And then God says this. He says, don't be afraid of them. Now that drives me crazy. Have you ever been like worried about something and your mother says, just don't worry about it. He'll be fine. Does that ever work? No. So here's God. He's saying, yeah, there's some guys. Don't be afraid of them. You know, and the Israelites are like, okay, yeah, sure. Easy for you to say you're God. (laughs) Right? I'm just me. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on and he says this. Just remember what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all the land of Egypt. He said, just remember. Now, come on. I do this all the time. 
I freak out about something in my life and I forget how many times before God took me through it. And I'm still freaking out because sometimes I'm an idiot. And I said, I didn't think I'd get through that, and God got me through it. And I didn't get through this one, and God got me through it. I didn't know if I'd get through that one, God got me through it. And here I am in the exact same spot that I was over there, and I'm still saying to myself, man, I don't know if God's going to get me through it. Listen, that's natural. We all do that. But God says, listen, remember. Remember all that stuff that I've done. Remember, I've taken you through all of that. Remember what I did. He goes on and he says this. This is how he's going to defeat those nations. He says, and the Lord your God will send terror. Now that Hebrew word there for terror is like a panic. Right? It's like a panic attack. Think about this. God isn't going to just annihilate them with a nuclear bomb. Right? He is not going to make you super strong and walk in there and just kill everybody. He is going to... Do something that is going to make them panic. In other words, they're going to defeat themselves. Some of you need to stop trying to figure out that problem and give it to God. And let him figure it out. Because God wins battles without you doing any work. And then the Lord your God will send panic in to drive out the few survivors still hiding from you. The people who are in there that are trying to keep you from where God wants you to go. He says, I'm going to send a panic. I'm going to send them away. And then he says, no, no, listen, don't be afraid of those guys. Do not be afraid of those nations for and for is like is like the reason why he says, don't be afraid. And then he uses for to say, this is why you shouldn't be afraid. He said, for the Lord, your God is among you and he is a great And awesome God. He's great. And he's awesome. I love that word, awesome. I use it way too much. I text it all the time. Hey, awesome. But listen to what he's saying. He's saying, listen, you don't need to panic. Right? You don't need to panic because I got this. I got you. I am great and awesome. Right? It's not just enough for him to be great. It's not just enough for him to be awesome. He's great and awesome. Now, there's another place in Scripture where God is talking, and he's talking about this exact same event. Um, we're going to come back to that one. This, 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 this exact same to event, and it, here it's in Exodus, and he's still talking to them. And he says this. He says, I will not drive them out in a single year. Now, this is important. This is important for us to catch because he's telling us something here. I will not drive them out in a single year. You will not clear them away all at once. Otherwise, the wild animals would multiply too quickly for you. I'm not going to clear everything out yet. And now, now let's go back to those two that we skipped before. He says, do not be afraid for I'm a great and awesome God. And he says this. This is the same thing, right? The Lord your God will drive those nations out ahead of you little by little. Little by little. You will not clear them away all at once. Otherwise, the wild animals would multiply too quickly for you. This is what he's saying. He's saying, listen, I'm God, right? I'm great. I'm awesome. 
I can do anything that you need to be done so that you can get to where you want to go. But I'm not going to do it all at once. I'm going to do it as much as you need, exactly as you need it. You see, because if God gave us everything that we needed to get from where we are to where we want to be in five years, we would mess it up. We all know, I mean, we've all heard the stories of all of the people who have won the lottery. And within a few years, they're in worse condition they were when they won the lottery. And one of the things that we tend to do when God puts too much on us, when things happen too easily for us, is that we start to think that it was me that did it. So we pray for the promotion. We pray for the promotion. We get the promotion and we say, boy, I'm really good, aren't I? Right? We, we pray for this bill to be paid. We pray for this bill to be paid. The money comes in for us to pay that bill, and we think, boy, I am so resourceful. We tend to take credit when there's too much on us. And so God says, listen, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do this a little bit at a time. But there's something even more important than that. It's this phrase that he uses um, this phrase, little by little. See, there's this interesting thing that, that God says in the Bible. He says, you're going to live in houses that you did not build. He says, you're going to eat crops that you did not plant. You're going to drink water from wells that you did not dig. And so he's saying this, that you've got to do this little by little because, listen, Right now, in those towns and in those cities, there are people who are living there. And they're living in their houses. And they're changing the refrigerator when it goes bad. Right? They're mowing the lawns. They're driving their cars down the roads. And one day, you're going to be there. You're going to be living in those houses. You're going to be driving those cars. You're going to be on those roads. But right now, there's not enough of you to take care of it all. So I'm not going to drive them all out at once, because if I did, then the place would just go to hell. There's a movie that came out a few years ago uh, starring Will Smith. It's called, it was called uh, I Am Legend. Anybody ever see it? Everybody dies of a plague, and there's only a few people left. And, and, uh, and I can't remember what city it's in, but it was one of the bigger cities And the whole place, after a few years, it just looked crazy. There were weeds everywhere. Down the main roads, there were deer running through. There was no way to get a car through. Well, this is what God was talking about when he said, listen, if I cleared them all out right now, weeds would grow up, animals would take over. You're not ready yet to occupy that. See, you're not ready yet to go farther than where you are right now. So, Don't worry about what's next. I've got it. That's what he's saying to us. Because what God doesn't want us to do is he doesn't want us to bite off more than we can chew. And we all have a tendency to do that. We'll go to the car dealer because what we want is a nice, reliable vehicle. And then they they let us sit down in like the limited edition. Everything's leather. It talks to us. Oh, that smell, right? And they show us the price, and we look at it, and we go, hmm, I can afford that. 
Well, sure, you can afford that, but do you have the down payment to afford that? Or maybe you have the down payment, but can you afford the monthly payments? Can you afford the insurance? Can you afford the extra gas? And then what we'll do is we'll say, well, I'll just turn off cable. No one ever turns off cable. And so you get yourself into a problem because now you have too much car and not enough checking account. Or, or you look at a house. You say, man, we can afford the down payment. Let's buy this house. But how are you going to make the monthly payments? Well, we'll worry about that later. Let's just get into this house. It's so beautiful. We don't think ahead. And that's what God didn't want to happen to the Israelites. That's what God doesn't want to happen to us. He, because, listen, we have to be able to, let's get to it. Not there. Not one more time. You have to maintain what you obtain. You have to be able to maintain what God gives you. So he's not going to give you more than you are able to maintain. Now, I love those words that he uses little by little. Because little by little is like, it's the phrase that tells us how God wants to get us to get to where It's the phrase of how God wants us to get to where he wants us to be. And that word by is the same word that we use for multiply, like two by two, four by four. And so what God wants from us is that as we look to where it is that God wants us to go, as we look to what five years from now could look like for us, he wants us to do it little times little, a little bit multiplied by a little bit, a little bit at a time. Because victory never happens all at once. Victory never happens in one big shot. Victory happens one small victory repeated over and over and over again. So what is your dream for five years from now? Is it to learn a new language? Are you looking five years from now and thinking, man, I could, I could have an entirely brand new skill. I could even change careers, get a different job. Is your dream five years from now that I'm going to have a different degree or another degree? Or maybe your, your dream five years from now is, is to, uh, you know, release your first book or cut your first album. I've tried. What we want to do is we want to make sure that we do things little by little. And what part of that means for us is, is that sometimes we have to make those steps small. And I'm not talking about regular small. I'm talking about ridiculously small. Like, if you were to say that your goal, if I were to say that my goal is I want to be able to do 100 push-ups, no problem. Right? If I stopped here right now, and turned that off, so there's no evidence of it. If I stopped here right now and said, I'm going to do 100 push-ups, and I just did as many push-ups that I could, by the time I got to six, I would be like, my arms would feel like jelly, my knees are buckling, and I would drop on the ground, and I would say, I'm never going to do that again. It's just too hard. But what if I said, I'm going to do one push-up a day? That's it, just one. One push-up a day. Every day, but only one. So no matter what happens, 
It's easy to do one push-up a day, even if you are already in bed and the lights are out and you say to yourself, boy, I forgot my one push-up a day. You could just jump out of bed, do one push-up. Heck, some of you, your bed mattresses are so stiff, you can just roll over and do one push-up right there, right? And get your one push-up out of the way. I know it seems ridiculously small, but it's by building up momentum that you get to where you want to be. And so we say one push-up, what's the point? Well, the point is, is that you've got to start somewhere. See, some of you have credit card debt and you think to yourself, boy, I've got an extra $20 this month. Maybe I should pay my credit card an extra $20. And then you think, man, what's the point? It's only $20. And then you go to McDonald's. But if you hadn't looked, that extra $20 could be the difference between paying the, paying the minimum plus $20 for three years or paying the minimum for the next eight or 10 or 12 years. Little by little adds up. So there's, there's a couple of things that we have to remember as we, as we think about doing this little by little thing. The first thing is this. When we think about what is it that we want to do, how we want to get to where we want to be or what that one thing is, the first thing we've got to do is We've got to choose it carefully. We've got to choose it carefully. A few years ago, uh, a gentleman named Charles Duhigg wrote a book called The Power of Habit. If you haven't read it, I highly recommend it. But one of the things that he says is that there are such things as, as keystone habits. Keystone habits. There are habits that when you start doing those habits, other habits follow with them. So he says flossing is a keystone habit. That when you start flossing every day... Twice a day, apparently, is what you're supposed to do. I didn't know that for a long time. Flossing, that other habits naturally fall into place. Exercise is another keystone habit. So my daughter, very generously, is taking me along with her to her personal trainer twice a week. Now, I hate that guy. (laughs) Just kidding, Mark. I love you. Mark's not here. I'm talking to online. But listen... The five, ten minutes before I see him, I really don't like him. But once I'm there, man, I love that guy. But the thing about it is, and this is the thing that I've seen. I've only been going to him now for a couple of months. But I recognize now that all of that pain in my body from all of that exercise is also reminding me not to eat so much cake. Or to stay away from cheese. Or maybe I don't need to eat six cups of rice. Come on, that's a day, over a day, not like in one meal. But do you see what I'm saying? So there are keystone habits. Listen, um, tithing, generosity, being generous is a keystone habit. People who manage their money poorly, when they start to give, they start to manage their money better. It's a keystone habit. So the first thing we've got to do is we've got to choose carefully. But the second thing that we've got to do is we've got to describe it specifically. And for some of us, this is hard because we're used to clicking through the, do you agree to these terms and conditions? Yes. Right? Have you read the user agreement? Yes. Right? We, we see these things all the time. We don't even read them. We don't bother with them. I mean, what harm could they possibly do? So we just click through and we don't know what it is that we're agreeing to. And so we have to, when we're talking about what are the things we're going to do, we have to be very, very specific because if you're vague, it gives you wiggle room. I'm going to eat less. Eat less than who? 
right? I'm going to drink less. Well, drink less than who? If you are not specific, if you don't know exactly where it is that you're going to do and what you're going to do, there's a legal term. It's called the bright line test or the bright line rule. And what it means is that there should be a, not just a, a line, but there should be a very, very distinct bright line between what you're going to do or what is allowed and what is not allowed. So a, a, few, a while back, Jimmy Fallon was talking about dieting and he was saying he only has one cheat day. And a day is like 16 hours, you know, so that's his whole cheat day, except what he does is he breaks his cheat day up into two hour blocks and he has them every day. Well, he's still technically getting a cheat day, only one day. It's just that it's on Monday at breakfast and Tuesday at dinner and Wednesday at lunch. And, and he just passes it along. That will never work. So you have to be specific. The third thing is this, is that you have to measure it regularly because you can only improve what is measured. Otherwise, we will deceive ourselves because this is one of those things that I have learned. The more that you wear jeans, the more they stretch, which means the first time you put them on, they're tight and you think, man, I need to lose a few pounds. But after the fourth or fifth washing, they're really nice and comfortable. And you start telling yourself, wait a second, I look good today. <laughs> we are masters at self-deception. So we have to measure it regularly. But the final one is this. We have to guard it fiercely. And when I say guard it fiercely, I'm talking back, taking us back to, to remember in the first week where we talked about Newton's first law of motion. An object that's at rest will stay at rest. But an object in motion stays in motion. And so the idea is to do that one push-up a day, but do it every single day. Keep it moving. Stay in motion. Do the, do the $20 a month or $10 a month, $5 a month extra on that credit card. But do it every month and keep the motion going. Because it's in those successions that you're able to see momentum. Jerry Seinfeld, when he was just starting out as a comic and he had to write for his shows and, and he was starting to write to prepare his TV show, he had a system, the Seinfeld method. And what he did was he had a, a calendar on his wall for the entire year. And he said to himself that I'm going to just write one joke a day. Just one. One joke a day. That was his only thing he wanted to do. And every day he wrote a joke, he would put an X on that day. And what he realized was was that the more in succession that he made those X's, the more jokes one a day that he did, the easier it became for him to do it. And it's the same thing with us, with anything that we want to accomplish. We have to choose it carefully. We have to describe it specifically. We have to measure it regularly. And then we have to guard it fiercely. And let me tell you why. Scripture tells us why it's so hard. Because we have a tendency to take small things for granted, to think that small things don't matter. In the book of Zechariah, uh, there's this, this uh, verse that you may have heard before. Uh, it's, it goes like this. It says, do not despise these small beginnings. Don't think down when you're just getting started. Don't despise it when all you can do is one push-up. Don't despise it when all you can pay extra on that card is $2. Don't despise small beginnings. For the Lord rejoices 
to see the work begin. When you make the decision to follow God, to follow where he wants you to go, even when you start small, God rejoices in that. And as you keep doing it, as you build momentum, as, as you start to go little times little every day, that it starts to build and it starts to become easier. How many of you still have your domino from the first week? All right. How many of you out there have your domino? I can't see you and you didn't get a domino because you weren't here. So you have to be here to get that. Right. But the same thing that we talked about in that first week with the domino growing bigger and bigger is exactly what we're talking about today. Remember, it, it was the power of compound interest. A little bit at a time makes a huge difference. Now, when you came in today, you probably looked on your seats and you said, well, there is a blank sheet of paper on my seat. And every week we've been trying to do something visual. So if you want to take out that piece of paper, I want to show you something interesting. So you take that piece of paper and you fold it in half. And all of a sudden now you had one and now you've got two, right? Because you folded it in half. And every time you fold it in half comes a little, little bit more difficult. But if you folded it in half again, now you've got four. Still pretty thin, right? Did you know that the world record for folding a piece of paper is 12? That you can't fold it past 12. Last night I got to eight. All right, I can't get to eight. This is as far as I got. Seven. This is the farthest I got. This is just paper. And look how thin the paper is. Do you know that if you could get it to ten folds, that that piece of paper would be the width of your hand? If you just get it to ten folds, it would be the width of your hand. If you got it to 41 folds, it would be the distance from here to the moon. At 52 folds, it's the distance from here to the sun. And if you could possibly take this piece of paper and fold it 103 times, it would be the distance of the entire width of the known galaxy. 93 billion light years. Just folding a piece of paper 103 times. See, things happen when we get started and it only takes a little bit at a time for it to grow into something amazing. And what God showed us and what God was speaking to the children of Israel is the same thing that he's speaking to us as we're looking five years out and we're thinking about what's that dream inside me? What is that book that I want to write? What is that song that I want to publish? What is the story inside of me that is sitting in me and is still potential and is not yet where God wants it to be? God wants to remind us that little by little eventually becomes a lot. And what he's saying to us through what he said to the children of Israel all those years ago is exactly the same. Don't worry about starting off small. Because if you do the little thing over and over again, it will eventually become a lot. 
Thank you for joining us for this week's message. Grace Point Church is located in South San Francisco, California. For more information, look us up online at www.wearegracepoint.com.